Hello, and welcome to the Quiet Out Loud. Today, we're going to have part two of my abortion series. So um, if you haven't listened to part one, I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to that first, because it's just going to lay some foundation for some of the things that we're talking about today. Um, I'm actually going to start off today's episode a little differently than I had originally planned because of some recent scenarios that have played out on my TikTok account, specifically a number of people asking me some questions like, is abortion murder and do women deserve a life sentence in prison if they've had an abortion? I do have a lot of things that I want to cover today, so please hang with me. Okay, but first, as always, before we get started, I do want to mention my sponsor for today, which again is me. I have been an affiliate with Money for five years, and my entire family uses their um, naturally derived hair care, skincare, and wellness products. My personal hair transformation has been amazing, and I'm obsessed with their anti aging skincare line. Um, if you want to check out their products, you can join as my personal VIP customer and get 15% off every day, plus other discount opportunities, rewards program, free products, and all kinds of other great benefits to get started. You can take the quiz on my show notes, and I will personally reach out to you via text message to answer any questions you might have and with a specific product recommendation for you. Okay, so getting into today's topic, which is, again, abortion part two, um, I'm going to play a couple of videos for you. The first one here is me talking about Gavin Newsom using the verse, love your neighbor on an advertisement for coming to California to get your abortion. So I'm going to play that video for you now. California governor Gavin Newsom recently used a Bible verse on his pro-abortion ad. Let's read exactly what it said. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Mark 12, 31. Obviously, this is a gross misapplication of this verse, but I want to focus on something very specific that I see a lot from Christians and non-Christians alike, because this verse has become just a watered down scapegoat, an excuse to just let anything go in the name of loving your neighbor. Gotta just accept whatever anyone wants to do. See, love your neighbor, it's in the Bible. Uh, no. What is the last word in the verse that Gavin used in his ad? The word these. There is no greater commandment than these, meaning more than one. One. This is the second part. Why does no one quote the first part? First command is that there is one God, the God of Israel, and you should love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. I just find it really convenient that no one ever uses that part of the verse because you cannot love your neighbor as the Bible commands you to without first loving God as the Bible commands you to. Lastly, in this passage, Jesus was referring to the Ten Commandments, which includes thou shall not murder. I don't think that's very supportive of an abortion ad for the love of all things. Stop quoting only this one part of this passage of scripture. Anywho, carry on. Okay, so that was a video that I made in my mind and in my intention was about taking scripture out of context and using it to fit your political agenda. And we're going to touch on this more later in episode two, but um, I wanted to play that video for you first, because this next video um, is the one where I'm getting all of these questions. Uh, so this next video that or soundtrack that I'm going to play for you is a response from another woman to my Gavin video that I just played for you. She stitched my video. So the first second or two is my voice, and then she will take over. Okay. So I'm going to play that video for you now. Thou shall not murder. I don't think that's very supportive of an abortion ad. Oh, Hey girl, it's me again. Look, you do not believe that abortion is murder. You do not. 
You don't really believe that because if you did, you would believe that every single woman who has ever had an abortion in this country should go to prison because there is no statute of limitations for murder. Those women that protest with signs that say, I regret my abortion, lock them up. Doesn't matter if it was 50 years ago. A life's a life. Oh, and if you go to a big church, there's probably a support group specifically for women who are healing from an abortion. Lock them up. It doesn't matter if they're repentant and God forgives them. There are earthly consequences for things like murder. And in this country, it's a life sentence. And in some states, it could even mean the death penalty. So now that I think about it that way, I mean, there's like millions and millions of evangelicals out there who are aiding and abetting felons, murderers, which makes sense because they already aid and abet all these perverts and pedophiles and molesters and such. Okay, so my reaction to her response to my video is that she's doing the same thing that Gavin did in his ad. She took a very small part of my video, just like he took a very small part of the Bible. She removed it from its context, just like Gavin removed the Bible verse from its context. And then she used it to fit her own twisted scenarios that she completely made up in her mind. She went a little further than, than Gavin though, because um, she went on to not only tell me what she thinks that I believe, but the actions that I should be taking if I really believe the things that she thinks that I believe, if you followed along with that. So what's super fascinating about this is that she was able to end with somehow turning it into Christian support for molestation and pedophilia. Like, what? <laughs> you got all of that. You got all of that out of a video where I'm explaining the verse love your what like what the verse love your neighbor means and how it's wrong to use it out of context for a political agenda like you got all of that out of out of my video it is like it's it's crazy was my video was not specifically about calling abortion murder um my video was about using biblical scriptures out of context for political agendas which i would assume that this person is actually against. I'm sure she doesn't like Christian nationalism or when, um, you know, Christianity comes into the political sphere. So it's very interesting to me that she didn't focus on that at all. And she only heard one thing in my whole video, which is that abortion is murder. Her entire response back to me is a, is completely a logical fallacy. She made up scenarios of what she thinks I should be doing. If I believe what she thinks I believe in order to resolve what she perceives as me being a hypocrite and the ending with the molestation and pedophilia. I mean, like, wow, like way to end with a red herring for dramatic effect. By her logic, I should also be marching into all drug rehab centers and dragging them off to jail to make sure they've, quote unquote, paid their earthly consequence for any laws that they've broken. Personally, like personally, I don't feel like this video deserves a response or further attention, but she and a lot of others are demanding answers to some questions. Um, do I believe abortion is murder? And do I believe that women who've had abortions should serve life sentences? Now, she didn't actually ask me that in that video, as you can you know, can hear or see if you watched it again, she's simply spewing a bunch of, um, false scenarios. Um, but again, they did ask in the comment section of these couple of questions. So that's why I am addressing it here. And they're trying to frame these questions as, as very simple. Yes or no, but also in a gotcha 
fashion. And the reason that it's in a gotcha fashion is because they've already laid out their next assumptions based on my answer. I mean, that's what her whole video does and what the comments beneath it do. If I answer yes, they'll show me all the ways that I'm a hypocrite. If I answer no, here are all of the other ways that you're a hypocrite. Obviously, this is not a simple yes or no question. This is why we have murder trials by jury. If I do believe abortion is murder, does that make me personally the jury and the judge? No, it doesn't. It is not my personal duty to arrest, charge, try, and sentence wrongdoers. That is the biblical role of the government. Does that mean I don't fight for justice and against injustice? No, but making a video that says if I really believed abortion is murder, I'd be ripping women, ripping women out of their church group sessions to have them arrested is Judas vibes. Did Jesus call authorities on sinners and lawbreakers he encountered to make sure they paid their earthly dues? Never, not once. Here's the real questions. Do we think women are capable of sin and are women in need of the gospel? Do they need the forgiveness of Jesus? Jesus himself answered every single one of those questions with a resounding yes. He never left a woman in her sin because he was afraid to hurt her feelings. He offered saving grace to women that others in society had written off. Every time we placate a woman's feelings or leave her in her sin, we are denying her the gospel. It is not my responsibility to dole out earthly punishments. It's my job to share the gospel. And you cannot tell people about Jesus without telling people about sin. Acting like women are beyond sin or are justified in their sin is doing them a grave disservice. Feminism would have you believe that women are victims and oppressed, but not sinful. And that they need abortion to be empowered to overcome this victimhood and oppression. Before I answer, before I answer these questions, I am, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to set the stage for a little bit. I am not going to go down the path of ectopic pregnancies and life-saving measures today. I will in my next episode, because I'm sure after I have this conversation, that is the question that I'm going to get next. Okay. Like what about ectopic pregnancies and what about life-saving measures? Okay. In the next episode, I assure you, we will talk about that because the reality is that most over 90% of abortions are simply elective. That is what we are talking about today. So is elective abortion murder? My answer is yes. Every abortion ends an innocent life. Now, if you disagree with me on this, I'd love for you to keep listening because I, again, we have a lot to, to work through today, but is every abortionist a murderer who possibly deserves a life sentence? Yes. Like they should go through our judicial process, but is every woman who has had an abortion deserving of a life sentence? No, absolutely not. And I don't know one Christian out there who's arguing for that. Like, I don't know what, that's why I don't know where the scenario came from of, of ripping women out of their, out of their, again, their group settings. And I, I don't know like where this idea came from that like Christians are out there, like, you know, we, we should be out there arresting people, um, you know, for their sins. Like that is not Christianity. Christianity is not the, the police. Okay. First of all, the woman is not actually performing the abortion. It's the abortionist. But yes, she's making sure it happens and is probably paying for it, which I'm not calling innocent. That's not innocence, okay? But typically an accomplice, which is I think would be more applicable to what the woman is in this situation, is something different than the actual perpetrator legally. 
Second, obviously some people are too young. They're lied to, they're manipulated, they're guilted, or they're forced, or they don't have the mental capacity to fully understand their choice. And they aren't committing the act out of intentional malice with the purpose of ending an innocent life. Third, we live in a society where abortion isn't murder, and it hasn't been treated as such legally or otherwise. It's usually treated casually. It's simply killing off an unwanted part of your body. It's like having a mole removed. It's it's not significant. It's not meaningful. Or at least that's what women are told. So I don't think there is always malicious intent because there are these societal norms. But just because society normalizing something does not make it holy by God's standards. Lastly, many of the women in the examples above are left with regret and remorse when they learn more or they get older. So do I believe all of these women above are deserving of a life sentence? No, of course not. But I do believe they are worthy of the gospel. The unfortunate reality is that there are women who do know exactly what they are doing and they do not care. They do know they're ending an innocent life and they're celebratory or they're flippant. They show no remorse. The woman is not a victim of anything other than her sinful nature because women are capable of sin and wrongdoing. So do those women deserve a life sentence? I mean, you know what? I've never argued for that because again, she's not technically committing the act, but should there be some sort of judicial process or legal ramifications? Like, yeah, yeah, that would be consistent with how murder cases are handled for the purposes of justice. And this woman, this woman still deserves to hear the gospel because no one is beyond the saving grace of Jesus. And this is where I would encourage you to go back to and listen to abortion part one, because we talk a lot more about that. To be honest, I've never sat around thinking about how we should jail women. Although apparently this TikToker thinks that I should be sitting around thinking about that. Rather, I've thought about how do we as a society better value life in the womb and protect women from the traumas of abortion. And we cannot sit here and pretend like abortion isn't traumatic. That is, that is fake. Okay. There's so many people who think that they're so loving and kind to women. And then I see them again in my comment sections on my videos where they're like, oh, you didn't really have a traumatic abortion experience. You're just lying. I've literally seen multiple women call other women liars when they say I had a traumatic abortion experience. Like, oh, you, you just, you're lying. This is the party that says they are for women. They're the ones out there calling women liars. This particular TikToker was mad that I referenced the commandment of, of thou shalt not murder um, in that video. There are, there are many scriptures that people might pull out to advocate against abortion, like you're wonderfully fearfully made. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. But I, I really want to focus on one story in particular, and that is the birth of Jesus especially if you consider yourself a pro-choice Christian, which I don't think exists, but isn't a real thing. But anyways, if you consider yourself a pro-choice Christian, I, I really would you know, gently, kindly point you towards the birth of Jesus. His young, unwed mom became pregnant unexpectedly. We cannot pretend that in that culture and that time that this wasn't incredibly hard and incredibly scary for 
her. Can't help but believe that Jesus has a special place in his heart for women in a similar position. Because as we talked about in part one of this episode, in Genesis, we learned that women have a special role in bringing forth life and that the devil has a special hatred for that role. The birth of Jesus and the circumstance in the circumstances of it are not inconsequential. Obviously it was divine and it had to be, but it also gives us an example, not only of the right choice, but the right attitude about that choice. Mary didn't complain or wonder how she would care for this child or worry that she wasn't ready or worry that she didn't have the proper resources. She wasn't worried about universal health care. She didn't question how this pregnancy might affect her body or that it might cause her health problems. No, she didn't ask any of those things. She just says, your will be done, Lord. I'm here for it. Use me, send me, I'm your vessel. You are in control and I submit to that. God does this all over the Bible. He uses people and circumstances that are considered much less than ideal, to say the least. Prostitutes, unwed mothers, persecutors, liars, cheaters. God rescues them all and uses them divinely. Difficult circumstances do not warrant stopping a life from being born. What it stops that life is from having the opportunity to be used divinely. Go Again, go back and listen to part one, and this whole statement will make a lot more sense to you. And just like I ask in every episode, like, how did we get here? Like, how did we get to these arguments on TikTok about abortion? They're taken just wildly out of context. So let's talk about like science, religion, and politics, and, and who's really allowed to, to have an opinion about abortion in the public Sphere. And the reason I want to have the conversation, um, you know, in that light is because, again, this is the quiet out loud. I want to talk about things that aren't necessarily talked about in the mainstream narrative and in a way that isn't typically done in the the mainstream narrative. So I want to first start out by sharing a little cartoon image with you. And if you aren't on YouTube, I will describe it to you. But basically this is a little, it's a little hand drawing up at the top in big, bold letters. It says, this is the only wall that America needs. And it has this, this, it's this picture, um, of the church on one side of a large, long wall. And it is the state on what it's calling the state or the government on the other side of the wall. And, um, the, you know, the, the arrow points to the church and says, religion goes here. And there's an arrow that points to the state and says, science goes here. And in between those things are a large high wall. That's what the cartoon says, this little drawing. So, I mean, since the Supreme court abortion ruling this image or one similar to it, or, you know, have being shared all over social media, just kind of along with that general phrase, the separation of church and state. I'm sure we've all had that issue or that phrase thrown at us at some point or another. And in the case of Roe v. Wade, the implication is that religion has infiltrated the government and it must be rooted out because there is no way Roe v. Wade could be overturned without religion. Is that true though? Like, I just, I mean, is that true? Like, do you have to be religious to find abortion appalling? I mean, we could go down the rabbit hole of like, like, where does your morality come from? And, you know, if you don't believe in God, but for today, I want to stay, I want to stay out of that trap just a little bit. And I don't want to talk in terms that everyone 
Like, I think we can all agree that everyone, regardless of religion, has moral beliefs that come from somewhere, right? They come from somewhere. And in terms of abortion, I, I don't believe that science and religion are in conflict. I actually don't think science and religion are in competition when it comes to abortion, because frankly, science points back to intelligent design. But again, my argument here isn't necessarily that you have to believe in intelligent design per se to be against abortion. The science, you know, if you want to put it in quotes, like the science that everyone talks about, the science in the case of abortion simply provides a factual foundation to which a moral standard is applied, religious or otherwise. Science proves it's a developing living human being with unique DNA. It's a heartbeat and has the ability to feel pain. You cannot throw around silly euphemism like my body, my choice, while claiming to be the party of science, because science tells you that it's not your body. It's not your heart that stopped. It's not your DNA that sucked out. It's not your limbs being ripped off. It's not your body. You have to pick one. It's either your body, your choice, your choice, or it's science, because you can't have both unless you are a liar or a hypocrite. And listen, as, as a Christian, it's definitely not your body because your body isn't yours. It belongs to Jesus. It was bought and paid for. It is a temple. Now, listen, like folks like Stacey, Agra, Stacey Abrams and Planned Parenthood are literally rewriting science as we speak. She recently came out and said that the heartbeat you hear in the doctor's office is fabricated. It's not real. And that the only reason we've been told that it's real is a real heartbeat because of the patriarchy. Of course, again, like I've done in a podcast episode on feminism, you really should go back and listen to that one too. But, and then shortly after Stacy, maybe even the same day, I'm not sure of the exact timing, but it seems like it was pretty close together of, of Stacy saying this, um, Planned Parenthood also updated the language on their website from, this is what it used to say from quote, a very basic beating heart and circulatory system developing. I think this is like five to six weeks. Um, a very basic beating heart and circulatory system developing, end quote. That's what it used to say to what it says now, which is, quote, part of the embryo starts to show cardiac activity that sounds like a heartbeat on an ultrasound, but it's not a fully formed heart. It's just the earliest stages of the heart developing end quotes. So they took a very simple definition that they had in the beginning and they changed it to a much longer, much more um, nuanced definition that it's not just to clarify this. It's not a heart. It's not a heart. You guys, it's not actually a heart. It just sounds like one sounds like one, but it's, it's not okay. They're very, you know, very trying to, to um, clearly state that. So like, so Planned Parenthood, like, were you lying before? Like when you said that it was a, a basic beating heart, like, did, was that a lie when you called it a beating heart? Like, did the science change? Was there new scientific evidence that caused you to make this change? Like, was there a new scientific, scientific discovery that conveniently was made right as Roe v. Wade was coming out? Like that decision? Like we're gonna, we're gonna get into this a little more later, but but how is this science? Like how is this sudden abrupt change follow the scientific process? 
Like how? That's not, is that, that's not science. Like, okay, let's get, let's get back on track. For a second. So, so, so let's just forget Stacy and Planned Parenthood for a second. And they're changing of words. Science proves that it's a developing living human being with unique DNA and a heartbeat and the ability to feel pain. Religion takes this scientific data, this that science says it takes the scientific data and applies a moral principle to it in which to make decisions and live by. Okay. So let's walk through this. Religion says murdering an innocent human being is wrong. Therefore it, in, it concludes that abortion is also wrong. Okay. Science says here's a human being. Religion says, okay, then murdering that human being is probably wrong. But even without religion, again, like even without religion, because again, I don't think you have to be religious to be against abortion. Even without religion, most people abide by the same moral standard. Murder of an innocent human is immoral. Like most people, unless you're a psychopath, like most people abide by that moral standard in their life. This means the real issue of abortion is, is actually twofold. One, Again, if you if you if you can agree that everybody believes that murdering an innocent human is immoral, and that science um, supports the fact that you know a a fetus is a innocent human, um, this means that some people are adhering to their moral standard without exception, like religious people, while others are not. And two, some people are just being willfully ignorant. They're rejecting both science and a moral code. Science really has, has no opinion at all on abortion or any other ethical dilemma for that matter, because it doesn't provide moral guidance. Science or hard facts or objective truth, it does not care about your morality. It's simply information. Every person gets their moral guidance from somewhere else. So pretending that we can just make science-based decisions about everything with no external moral input is absolutely ridiculous. And if we require a worldview or morals to make decisions, where do those morals come from? And which morals are allowed in the public and political sphere? Which brings me back to this wall image. First of all, I just want to say, like, I really love that this drawing is drawing such a stark comparison between science and religion, because science really isn't a pursuit of truth in our culture any longer. It has become an ideology or perhaps more accurately, an idolology, something that must be revered, worshiped and followed like an instruction manual, almost like a Bible. The notion of the science has unfortunately become more and more like a, a religious cult, especially over the last two years. Here in this image that I described, they're just saying the quiet part out loud, that science is the only belief system, the only ideology, the only moral code that is allowed in the public and political sphere. The idea seems to be that science is so infallible and so trustworthy that it should be the guiding principle in shaping our society and our government. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're expected to ask no questions when the science changes or contradicts itself. We should ask no questions when Stacey Abrams and Planned Parenthood change fetal development for a political agenda. 
We should ask no questions when science suddenly decides it can't define what a woman is. We should ask no questions when the vaccine we were told to stop would stop us from getting COVID, like doesn't actually stop you from getting COVID. Don't ask questions. Don't worry, you guys, just follow the science. Who cares if it leads you into the abyss? They want you to buy that science is trustworthy and settled while at the same time, accept that the science can change at any moment and jerk you all over the place when the agenda changes. What I just find fascinating about this cartoon and this, this drawing, and it's the way of thinking in general, is the notion that our founding, fonder, fa- founding fathers not only wanted to keep religion out of the government, but also wanted the science as the guide as depicted by science being invited to the public and political square while religion is locked out on the other side of the wall. Oddly, science isn't mentioned in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, but God is. Like, that's a little awkward, right? This assumption that that science was invited, but God wasn't, but we don't see, we don't see science being invited in the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution, but we see God Suggesting science should give us our guiding principles is misusing and elevating science well beyond its definition, design, and purpose. Science is merely facts and knowledge, or more commonly, the methodology by which to study something and to gain facts and knowledge. No one, not one single person, uses science to generate their standards of morality, right versus wrong, good versus evil. That is beyond the power of scientific study. Although I'm convinced like some people, some people really do think that science is actually telling them what to do or what to think. In reality, they are simply just applying their moral standard, their moral standard that they're getting from somewhere, even if they just made it up, they're applying that moral standard to scientific data. And that's when you get into the debate of, okay, where does your moral, your morals come from? And I think this is where we have just a lot of people like really screaming past each other. One person is shouting, follow the science, while the other side is saying like, what are you talking about? Like science is data. It's not directions for how to live. Like science doesn't dictate how we see the world or how we make choices. Again, it's simply information. It's your worldview and your morality that dictate what you do with the information. Science can have a seat at the table and provide you facts and data, but it's not a leader to be followed everywhere. Everyone has a worldview and a sense of morality, regardless of their religious affiliation or lack thereof. And everyone uses their worldview and their morality to guide their lives and shape the world around them. And of course, everyone wants their worldview and their morality to be the most widely accepted and implemented culturally. Some want this more than others and some push theirs more than others. Sure, of course. But an atheist wants their worldview to shape culture just as much as a Christian does. Here's a quote from Tim Keller, whom I agree with on some things, but not everything, but I feel like this fits really well with what we're talking about. So here's something that he um, quoted on Twitter once. It says, Secularity is not the absence of belief, but a new set of beliefs about reality, rationality, human nature that can't be proven, are not self-evident, 
and have as many contradictions as any set of religious beliefs. It is a faith-based worldview that will not admit what it is. So saying that secularism is allowed to participate in shaping society, but religion, or let's be honest, let's be real clear, let's specifically Christianity, like if we want to get real, it's it's because it isn't like they're keeping all religion out. It's 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 Christianity that that they don't don't allow. So saying that secularism or it is allowed to participate in shaping society, but Christianity isn't allowed because of you know quote unquote separation of church and state is discriminatory, intolerant, and ignorant of the intent of the First Amendment ignorant of the Declaration of Independence and ignorant of this country's founding. A religious person does not simply recognize or practice their belief systems while only in a particular building any more than an atheist does theirs. An atheist is an atheist at the grocery store, home, work, school, and they see the world through the lens of those beliefs wherever they go just like a person of a particular religion would do. So why is it okay for an atheist to push their moral beliefs onto society, but not a Christian? And honestly, this idea that Christianity isn't allowed in politics, this notion of of separation of church and state when it comes to topics like abortion is is so one-sided and based on convenience and agenda. Like, listen, I'm going to say something that a lot of people might disagree with here, but like, I do not think that the Bible supports the right or the left. The Bible isn't Republican. It isn't Democrat. The Bible doesn't make a modern day political statement. The Bible is there to help us live a God honoring, holy life. Can you take biblical principles and apply them to politics? Absolutely. And you should. We are here to build his kingdom on earth, but to act like it perfectly fits on either side is extremely disingenuous. The Bible is the sword of truth, not a sword of a particular political party. And listen, I don't have a problem with someone using scripture to shape their political policies. What I have a problem with is people using political agendas to shape their use of scripture. And they only refer to it when it's convenient for their agenda, which is what we saw in Gavin, the Gavin Newsom ad that I talked about earlier. Whatever side you're on, right, left, middle, Misapplication and out-of-context scripture is just that. It's misapplication and out-of-context. It's an abuse of God's word to push your political ideology, and both sides do it. I mean, it seems to me, though, like one side, particularly the left or Democrats, like to complain about the separation of church and state the most, like they complain about that happening. They they like to claim that Christian nationalism is the biggest threat to our country. But, but when someone like Gavin Newsom uses script, you know, uses Christianity to further his abortion agenda, like it's completely fine. That's completely fine. Like there's no, there's no need for separation of church and state there. Like that's cool. Like, and the reason I've been given this, like the reason for why this is allowed from another, from another wonderful, um, TikTok commenter is that, um, like, 
Gavin is allowed to use scripture to further his agenda because scripture is just open to interpretation. So it's fine for him to use it however he wants. Like that was her reasoning. Like it's just open to any interpretation. So he can, he can use scripture if he wants to. And when I press this person, like, well, why can't I use scripture to support my abortion stance if he can? And she said, because the world doesn't revolve around me. Like, wait, what? So so I'm leaving this straight. So does it revolve around Gavin in California? Like zero, zero sense of hypocrisy in her statements to me. She could not, like, could not see it. She literally told me she didn't have a problem with Gavin using scripture politically, but she did have a problem with me questioning his use of it. It just makes zero sense. They just like make stuff up. It's like, I literally, I asked her that. I don't think she replied, but like, I'm like, did you just make these rules? Like these, these the rules that you made up? Like, where did this even come from? I can guarantee you the same person probably screams the dangers of Christian nationalism though, when Trump uses a Bible verse, which I'm like, I'm not defending Trump using Bible verses either, but I'm just saying you can't, you can't say it's okay on one side and then scream about it on the other side. Okay. Like I just one last thought on this, the little drawing that I described to you guys with the wall, you know, the science belongs here while pointing to public buildings. It's, it's just, it really is deeply disturbing to me because um, as the, as does, of course, the, the church being behind the, the wall. And I'm not saying that science doesn't belong at all. I mean, it can have a seat at the table, what, but what passes for science these days are literal lies and leftist ideologies. It's not science. It's, it's much, much, much closer to religion than what people want to acknowledge. And with that, I would say, again, if you haven't listened to, part one of the abortion series. Um, you know, I think you'll get again, a, a better foundation for abortion and religion and what's really, you know, potentially happening there. Okay, guys, this is where I'm going to end today. I know I'm kind of like maybe ending without a, a, a great closing, but, um, I am going to do a part three to this podcast series. And in part three, we're really going to talk more about, you know, what, what problems does abortion solve? And that's where we'll get into, you know, ectopic pregnancies and life-saving measures and some things like that. But we're going to talk about like, what does, does abortion really solve any problems in our society? Um, and you know, is there, you know, what are the solutions that feminists offer us and, and is there a better way? All right, guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for joining me and please continue to send me your comments and feedback on social media. Definitely love to hear from you guys.